Hello and welcome into a very special edition of Live from West End. I'm Bryce Smith, your host. We've got Deputy Sports Editor Frankie Sheehy in the, hey. in the uh, I don't, this isn't a building. I don't even it's know. It's called the studio, Bryce. Yeah. The studio, the underground. Aiden Rutman, also Deputy Aiden Sports Rutman, Editor, is here Deputy as well, Sports guys. Don't worry. Sports Podcast Producer is here as well. Vanderbilt men's basketball has done it. We said it last week. If the Commodores could go on the road, beat Kentucky, and then come home for Mississippi State, we would be fully back on bubble watch. And here we are, VanderbiltHustler.com. We've got you covered for the entire week leading up to the SEC tournament. But let's talk about it. Absolutely impeccable week. We're going to open up the phone lines in a little bit and get some of our alumni in here as well. But guys, 2-0. and Dramatic come-from-behind victory without Liam Robbins against Kentucky. Jordan Wright hits the game winner. And then a senior night win, wire-to-wire, absolute maniac night in in Memorial Gymnasium. It's what dreams are made of, guys. It's what dreams are made of. Just an incredible week of sports here at Vanderbilt. It was good to finish at home, too, because we've had had a lot of home home big uh, upset wins, but this one on Saturday was probably the— Top student section I've seen. Oh, 100%. It was They're, insane. They sold out. Like, they fully sold out. And they I were had friends that couldn't get tickets. And it was full, like, 40 minutes before the game, too. Oh, yeah. yeah I, got, I was tweeting about it. I yeah. got there at 6.30, and the hats were sold out, which means 650 people got there over an hour before the game. And I couldn't even get in the middle student section. I was on the left side. And the crazy thing is they said there's a, a fever going around campus, too. Thankfully, the doctors have confirmed it's just called March. So That was so bad. <laughs> Fantastic joke. I still love that. All right. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to open it up to callers. All right. So we're going to open up um, kind of our basketball recap. We're going to open the radio lines here, Aiden, if you could get that going. I think we've got a call here. It seems as though we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Got a caller. I, this, is, uh, this is Simon Gibbs, former Vanderbilt Hustler sports editor. Um, turned, legend. Turned outrageous Vanderbilt fan. And I just want to talk about the net and – um, before, I, I mean, <laughs> we're we're diving straight really, into the net. Yeah, yeah, because that, I mean that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about college basketball. We're here to talk about the net, and 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 I don't understand how. Clearly, I don't understand this ranking system whatsoever, and why it hates us so much. I understand the bad losses. I I really do, but I I took the liberty to to look at where everyone both in the AP top 25 and others receiving vote section landed in the net. Um, Vanderbilt is an other receiving vote, um, having, having three votes and the closest is Toledo. Toledo is in, is in the Mac. Toledo is 80th in the net. (laughs) Did they lose to LSU? To Vanderbilt's 82. Okay. Toledo has a power win against Bradley. Like what? Where? Where are we supposed to? Com- like I, I just don't comprehend. Oh, sorry. No, I was looking at wrong. I was looking at Kent State. Toledo's quad one record, zero and one with a loss to Kent State. Zero and one with a loss to Kent State. Okay, and they're four and two in quad two. Great. So Vanderbilt <laughs> is getting smashed here because they played 13 quad one games. Meanwhile, again, this this predictive me- metric that supposedly takes into account more than just winning percentage is ranking Kent State as, as a quad one game, a game which, by the way, Toledo lost, if I have to remind you, and they're still ahead of Vanderbilt in the net. I don't understand this. 
And I don't understand how the, the metric apparently takes into account game results, strength of schedule, game location, scoring margin, net offensive and defensive efficiency, quality of wins and losses, etc. Why is a game against Vanderbilt a Q2 or a Q3 game for other teams, yet a game at Kent State is quad one? <laughs> Okay, so I hear you, you Simon. Lots, lots unpacked there. We'll start with the, the net, the NCAA evaluation tool, which is one of the many metrics that are used for the selection co- committee, um, switched over from the RPI a couple of years ago. And Vanderbilt ranks 41st in the RPI, which is more of a um, results-based metric. So kind like of wins and losses, what's happened versus About, net. Like, what you're trying to achieve, yes. Right. Like wins and losses Winning. against good teams. Indeed. So, so that's RPI. Um, net it combines results-based and predictive metrics. So Simon's essence of what he's getting at is that Vanderbilt, for whatever reason, is absolutely hated by the computers in terms of predictive metrics. So a Ken Palm, um, ESPN, Power Index, those type of metrics. And so despite Vanderbilt having four Quadrant 1 wins, which is home wins over the top 30 teams or away wins over the top 75 teams, the net... Um, it seems like at this point their biggest flaw in their resume is kind of this net and and the computer metrics that are associated with it. And I think that that's exactly what the question is and, and what everyone is asking right now. And, and Simon, you articulated it beautifully. It, it seems to make no sense that the teams in the MAC are, um, as we went through Toledo and Kent State and all those, are, are for whatever reason, above Vanderbilt, despite what the Commodores have been able to do over the last couple of weeks and the, the quality of opponents that they played over the entire season, I'm not going to act like I know the answer, but I'm going to hand it over to you guys and, and get a little more net ranting in while we're here because I think that clearly this system has become flawed. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that when you base things, and like Jerry Stackhouse has alluded to like how he the net makes him have to keep his his starting five on the floor in late games when that aren't very close, but like the net and these kind of analytical rankings do maybe accomplish better. Like what your true team, um, what your team is actually capable of doing. And I guess that's the oh, point come of on. Sorry. No, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm just saying what the defenders of the Gen Z analytics would say, Simon, you are Gen Z. But would, I'm the, not a defender, would, but... would the defender of those analytics say that Florida is two and 12 in Q1, two and 12 in Q1 and they're 59 in the net. Hey, I they, hate Florida. They too. lost their best player. Their season is over. They're one and two in Q2. What do they have that Vanderbilt doesn't? But they're not going to make really? the tournament. Well, so that's I, the point. I get it. I get it. What but, a, like, but like this team has has played, yes, they've played, actually, no, no, no. They've played one more Q1 game than Vanderbilt. One more. And Vanderbilt's 4-9 and nine Q1 record to Florida's 2-12 and 12 Q1 record. Vanderbilt's got a 5-1 and one Q2 record to Florida's 1-2 and two Q2 record. Yet Florida's almost 30 spots ahead. I Like, clearly there's something in this formula that I'm – completely missing out on but i don't understand how they could lean on this as a as a half competent metric if it's ranking legitimately bad q1 teams or legitimately bad teams based on q1 play ahead of vanderbilt a and b how it's ranking teams like 
what was that? What was that? Toledo one win that Toledo oh. had. Oh, Kent State. What, what was their Q1 Kent State. Win? Kent State. Yeah. 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 Like, no, they lost. They didn't even beat them. Yeah, they didn't beat, they they didn't beat right, Kent State. Exactly. Yeah. So I, again, there's clearly something I'm missing, but I don't understand how this can be at all a, a, a encompassing metric for for um, uh, the selection committee. And, and what I'll add, by the way, is Kentucky being 20th in the net. I I stand pretty firmly on this ground that uh, like uh, this doesn't need to be said twice but if Vanderbilt loses its first SEC tournament game they're not going dancing but I because Kentucky is so high in this metric that makes absolutely no sense to me if Vanderbilt beats Kentucky even if they lose in the next round two and one I, I they have to go dancing my my favorite team to cite and they're one team ahead of Kentucky in the net is Arkansas Oh, because Arkansas yeah, has been—they've been terrible. Arkansas's nineteen. <laughs> They're riding the coattails of a really easy, like almost exclusively quad three non-conference. They're three and nine in quad one, and they're four and two in quad two. They have the exact same resume as Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt beat them back when Vanderbilt was not playing well. Like they are taking into account games from November and December. Arkansas is not that good. They're the, they finished the ten seed in the SEC. Why are they? What sixty spots ahead of Vanderbilt? It doesn't make sense to me. I think you guys hit How the is Georgia a Q three win. I'm looking at I'm looking at Arkansas's net stuff right now, and beating Georgia is a Q three win. Sure. Uh, that's like beating Louisville, who they all, who Arkansas also beat. <laughs> that was one of their challenging Power Five, the number fifteen team in the ACC. Yeah, like and South Carolina and and, and LSU. These are all Q three win, like. Maybe it shouldn't be Q4 just because they're Power 5, but I, I don't understand. It's like I get the not wanting to give bias to – because I do think it's unfair that Power 5 teams can simply build a better resume by playing better teams, but it's not unfair to, to ding them more for, for losing a couple of them. Yeah, I think that what you guys are kind of generally getting at is is the – idea that the net as a primary usage for the selection committee is clearly become flawed and something that I think Vanderbilt fans have discovered over the past couple of weeks is that the net seemingly places a heavy emphasis on scoring margin. Yeah. And in basketball, that just doesn't work the same way that it does in in football. And there's something to be said for close wins as well, I'd argue. So is Vandy just getting killed for the Alabama game? Is that that what I do think that Vanderbilt is getting... Getting kind of crushed for the Alabama game. People have talked about Grambling and, and um, some of those other lo- lower-rated losses like LSU. I think Grambling but, is fair, but at the same time, what was that four months ago? Yeah, and there's uh, there's been other teams like like a TCU and, and other schools like that that lost really bad Q4 games. It, it happens, you know. Basketball, anyone can win on any any given night, and that's part of why we love March Madness. Praying on our downfall. I will say that the hope here, which Simon. I think is is getting at is that the net is not used as a primary factor in the selection committee, and it's something that we don't necessarily know. But when you look at the results-based metrics, the metrics that take into account solely your your wins and your losses and the strength of those wins, Vanderbilt is essentially flipped with a ton of teams that they're being compared to, whether that be an Arkansas or a Florida or a Toledo, et cetera. 
Uh, I just pulled up Bracketology. I was curious if there was an update. From, jo- from Joe Lunardi. Lunardi. Oh, yeah. oh, live update? Joe Lunardi just updated it 34 minutes ago. Vanderbilt is no longer on the bubble. Oh, my. What? Joe you're, Lunardi sucks. You're kidding me. Charleston is on the bubble, guys. Actually? Yeah. Uh, Michigan and North Carolina both moved up Wait, a spot. Michigan Well, we're in the up. considered, it looks like. Michigan lost. We are in the Vanderbilt is in the okay. considered. Okay. Uh, wait. And this is the perfect, this is the perfect, like, like display of net bullshit is that Vanderbilt, like, and, and this is, uh, I don't know if this actually factored into why Lunardi bumped Vanderbilt out of the bubble, but Vanderbilt went down one spot overnight despite not playing a game. What on earth, like, <laughs> I, what more can they do? They, Gotta play every that's night. Wild, that's yeah. wild that they fell schedule out those non-con after, games, especially... Fun. Considering that Michigan lost yesterday uh, yeah, and is yeah, still in the next bad. four out, and fair, they moved up, they played. Michigan played a great game. I don't understand how lost. you can justify moving up after a loss. If they want to from eighty-two to eighty-three, if while they, Hofstra <laughs> moved in front of Vanderbilt, what has Charleston been doing? Like, how did Charleston just bump Vanderbilt off? Uh, Rutgers lost. A state, Arizona State lost. North Carolina lost. Charleston is fifty-two in the net. Sorry, fifty-three. They are a dar- I don't want to pick on Charleston because that's uh, is an Charleston uh, going to be an auto bid or like where where are they? Uh, I well, they got to win the. I don't think their, so. Their, if they're they are, yeah. they are first in their conference, they're twenty nine and three. Loki, they might get a bid even if they don't yeah. win their conference. Their but only two the one game is against North Carolina, and they got they lost. Yeah, and North Carolina. I'm North Carolina angers me more than yeah, any they, other they team they on this be, list. They're terrible. Yeah, they are not a good basketball team. They were just number one in the preseason. They were, well, which is another yeah. important point about that. I think that that's becoming exposed about the net is how these preseason rankings are baked into yeah. the predictive metrics that end up spitting out wherever Vanderbilt is. Vanderbilt is literally being poisoned because they were slept on at the beginning of the season. Great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, but they're in the top twenty-five now, right? Like someone, or sorry, they're in. They receive votes. A some, top twenty-five. Yeah, writer. Yeah, some writer that that covers this sport for a living, legitimately thinks Vanderbilt is one of the top twenty-five teams in the country right now, and this metric says they're not even in the top seventy-five. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yep. I I think that that what we've seen completely this season, and I do think that there's like you said, Simon, some merit to trying to create a more equitable system in which mid-major teams have a better shot at getting these at-large bids due to their different schedules. Like, I don't even know. It's I'm fair. Like, working around here. It's it's trying to be fair, but what we've seen this season is that it's simply not, and, and Vanderbilt's playing like a top 25 team in the country right now. They're playing better than a top 25 team in the um, country right now. And so I think we are all hopeful that that's reflected in whatever – metrics the committee ends up using but i think it's important to kind of have this ran and and figure out what we are looking at in the net because i i said it last week vanderbilt was projected to lose to both kentucky and mississippi state by ken palm and i said okay well if they win both you'd like to think that they move up seven eight spots right considering that they're projected to lose both on the road by 10 and then at miss at home against Mississippi State by two. They win both, and they move up four spots on Ken Palm. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's just... Yeah. It baffles me genuinely because 
like you said, they're playing hotter than pretty much any team in the country right now. And these teams are getting rewarded for like close losses and Vanderbilt's not getting anything for beating two good teams. Like Kentucky is a very good team. Beating them on the road is I mean yeah, something I mean, they haven't as, done. As in, Simon said, they're top twenty, 20 in the net. And then Mississippi yeah. the net loves Mississippi State too. Like Mississippi State had an yeah, again. That's well that's crazy. what I'm struggling to understand. They had an amazing these other teams that are loved by the net. Auburn when too. Vanderbilt beats oh, them, it Auburn. doesn't reflect right. on the net. And that's why Vanderbilt's had so many quad one opportunities. But when they does it win, does it rank home court advantage too high? Like I know it's important in terms of games, but like it seems like they get no credit for what beating those top teams at home. It's and just if an you excuse, can't get yeah. for that, then like what's the what's the point of having those games? Right? I, I I still don't think though that like at the end of the day, I'm bothered by this metric because it just makes no sense to me. But I think I like. Part of me wants to reserve my frustration for now because I, I, I really honestly don't think that it is going to keep Vanderbilt out of the tournament yeah, because like I said before, yeah. like I said before, it's stupid. We, we all agree there, but like we, we, um, if Vanderbilt, as, as I said, if Vanderbilt wins two in the tournament, right, they beat whatever stinker comes out of the Georgia LSU game and then they beat Kentucky there, there's no way you can debate, even if they get destroyed in that next game by Texas A&M, I don't think there's any way you could snub them, especially as Bryce pointed out, that 2022 Rutgers team making it a 77th in the net. Like Vanderbilt by then, I would hope, is is somewhere around the, the 70s, although we would you never know with this metric where you could just drop for not playing a game. I find it very interesting. The, t- the, the net, like, picks teams that they love based on like the non-conference like A&M is kind of hated on in the net for some reason even though they've been amazing in the SEC like I know that they're obviously not one of the more talented teams the way that Alabama is but they beat Alabama they've dominated throughout the like SEC part of their schedule and they're like behind Auburn and Arkansas in the net for whatever reason it it just doesn't make sense to me um that being said on the point of just like Kentucky, assuming Vanderbilt can beat LSU or Georgia, and again, if they can't, then they don't deserve to make it. If Vanderbilt can beat Kentucky, I don't see them losing to Texas A&M. Obviously, it's any given game, but I think Kentucky is objectively the harder game and the harder matchup, just considering the construction yeah. of rosters. Um, Definitely. What's the? Uh, is there? What about like there are so many scenarios that like it's hard to project, but like there is also the possibility that Texas A and M gets knocked out in their game before we get there. No, and then he gets to the and like we we think Michigan is done. We think Michigan is done. Uh, Three and eleven and two one. Yet they're somehow fifty four. But that's what I'm saying. They're (laughs) playing Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. Rutgers is fortieth in the net, and for what? Lost to Minnesota, and like, and like Aiden said, like a North Carolina, like you think that Vanderbilt would be able to jump these teams at some point, and yet, but I do want to say I had to edit this out of Aiden's piece that he dropped today on <laughs> Bubble Watch about Joe Lenardi being a pinpoint bracketologist. Joe Lenardi is below average in terms of like a hundred plus bracketologists that are measured every year really? in this thing called the bracket really? matrix. Huh. But he just has the biggest platform, so I do want to add that. But just does he have influence at all? Lenardi? Yeah. So, so not, Rutgers, not on the. Rutgers, yeah, go ahead, Simon. Rutgers is five and six in Q1, four and four in Q2. Vanderbilt is four and nine in Q1, five and one in Q2. Okay, so Rutgers 
is a combined nine and 10 in Q1 and Q2, nine and 10. Vanderbilt is a combined nine and 10 in Q1 and Q2, all right? Rutgers is a combined nine and three in Q3 and Q4, nine and three. Vanderbilt is a combined nine and three in Q3 and Q4. They have the exact same Q1 plus Q2 and Q3 plus Q4. Vanderbilt has four Q1 wins. Rutgers has five. Vanderbilt has five Q2 wins. Rutgers has four. So it's very even. Yet somehow this ranking has Vanderbilt 43 spots below Rutgers and they play in a better conference. Who plays in a better conference? Vanny I, does. The, the, okay, thank God. Technically, interestingly, I was doing research on it because I was curious. I thought the Big Ten was kind of weak this year comparatively to previous years and comparatively to like the Big 12 and the SEC. They're ranked higher in the net than the SEC is. Like They do a conference net rating, and they're like 0.2. It's like 0.73 versus 0.75, whatever net metric they use. Big Ten is considered better than the SEC, which I think is kind of outrageous, but that's just me. That is egregious. Who is outside of Purdue? I mean, Indiana. Indiana. Indiana yeah. was like they're good, but again, they almost lost to Michigan at home. Like they're relatively underwhelming. They beat, team. They've beaten Purdue twice, though. They beat Purdue both times. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fair. That that probably yeah. helps them out. Does Lunardi still have Penn State on the bubble? Penn State is actually squarely in right now. They have they moved up. Oh my god. They moved up four <laughs> spots after just like an incredibly. They came back against uh, Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. Vanderbilt it was pretty out. lucky. They kind of bricked a three and then got a really lucky rebound. So they moved up four spots. They basically swip, flipped with Rutgers. Yeah, I, I, this is. I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I don't. I don't know how to make sense of any. I, like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. This Rutgers one. This Rutgers one is is particularly absurd. Them having the same Q one, Q two, and the same Q three, Q four, and Vanderbilt playing more Q1 games, thus having a harder schedule, and there's a 40-spot difference. And Vanderbilt also had a better conference record for what it's worth. And, and Rutgers I'll went just, 10 yeah. 10. Right, right. I'll add, right. I'll add this. So Rutgers on the RPI, which is the old system, is ranked at 102, which would <laughs> exactly. be far from the bubble. Vanderbilt oh on the God. old RPI system is ranked 41, which is pretty much squarely in, not like like on the good side of yeah. the bubble even. Right. So it seems flipped. I mean, Rutgers lost to Nebraska and Minnesota. You can't tell me that Vanderbilt's got some. Vanderbilt's got some bad losses, but so does Rutgers, who, according to Lunardi, is 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 in the field. They lost to. The they lost to Temple as well, who Vanderbilt beat in the non-conference. Right. Right. Did they lose on the road or at home? Uh, it was a neutral game. Okay, so they lost a neutral game to a team that Vanderbilt beat on, on the, the road. road. Yeah. But. Guys, Vanderbilt only beat them by what two points, so, so yeah, they can't get too much credit Basically for that. A tie. Yeah, it's pretty much a tie. I mean, Vanderbilt yeah. might as well have lost that game. Yeah, I mean, I think someone would have to do like a deep dive into this, but just looking at it now, Rutgers in Q four seven and zero beat Ryder by thirty, beat Minnesota by forty five, beat Bucknell by thirty five, beat Coppin State by forty, beat Sacred Heart by thirty eight. Like they have like serious margin on these games. I don't have to keep going. But I just don't find like none of that is impressive to me. They're they're all low end Q four games versus and this is a, a slightly different discussion. But Vanderbilt scheduling a really hard non con that also included 
teams that were at the very top of quadrant four, like Grambling State, who's number one in their, in By their the way, conference. The, the, the non-conference scheduling was stupid, and that I'm I'm definitely going to just like like that. No SEC team should be playing that difficult of a non-conference schedule, especially when going into the season, no one thought that Vanderbilt was half as good. And the notion that they should be playing St. Mary's, VCU, these tough mid-major teams before the season means VCU is a Q1 loss. They're good. I mean, yeah. No, I agree with you. They play like, I was looking back at it. I was just like scrolling through the net, scrolling through Ken Palm, scrolling through like the teams that are expected to make the tournament. I think there are like five or six if you count Grambling, they're gonna win this SWAC, so that's another one. Like, why Vanderbilt is getting just absolutely crushed? It's 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 ridiculous. But they played NC State, they played St. Mary's, they played Pitt, they played VC. Those are all tournament teams, and like, I don't know. They they killed they they hurt themselves with the scheduling. Yeah. All right, Simon. Before we let you go, I'm gonna ask one more question. And I, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but. If Vanderbilt is able to get to the weekend of the SEC tournament, winners of 10 of 11 to get to 20 and 13 on the season, and they are not, A, above 77, kind of that barometer for uh, teams to get an at-large bid in the net, or in Joe Lenardi's last four in, as a wise, experienced sports editor, what, what do we do at that point? I, I don't even want to think about it. But, like, if Vanderbilt beats whoever they play in that first game, beats Kentucky and loses to Texas A&M and is not in the tournament, unless they lose to Texas A&M by 150 points, I cannot fathom why they'd be left out. And I, I, I imagine that the Vandy fan base will be more than happy to, to petition to absolutely no one which absolutely <laughs> yeah. no other fan base in the country will want to hear the same way all of us made fun of uh of uh, uh texas a&m for for throwing a fit after they got snubbed last year they but got like, so snubbed i was so upset about that like yeah but they scheduled a tissue paper soft non-conference yeah exactly like, vanderbilt has yeah, a better resume but, than and we're getting hurt for it too yeah no i know but at the same time like we're talking about how vanderbilt's playing the best basketball of their season and like they're better than they're 100% one of the 64 best teams. Like at that time, AM was 100% one of the best 64 teams in the country. Right, right. But but while Vanderbilt has some bad non conference losses, they at least played good non conference teams. That's the only knock on AM last season, I think. And they were close games. Right, right. Like, well, and, Saint, yeah, but I'm not I've, sure that justifies some of the losses. No, I just mean like the St. Like the Mary's. St. Mary's is very good, and they played them real close. Um, yeah, totally. Southern Southern Miss and Grambling, there's no excuse. Like those are just two horrid losses. Though both teams are, but yeah, they're not. Southern Miss good. was first in their conference, and Grambling might no, make it into the tournament. I know, but just from a like, I, I mean, agree yes, with you. from the standard from, of from you a, need to yeah, be making right, yeah. the uh, the tournament without but, having to be on the bubble. But yeah. that's I think the whole point of the exercise is that you go down the list and you're looking at VCU ended up being a, a Q1 game that you played. St. Mary's is ranked eighth in the net. Like yep. Temple. Temple is a Q2 game that they won on the road. Southern Miss won their conference in the regular season. Grambling State's looking to win their conference in the in the postseason. Wofford was, I think, two in their conference tournament. Like, they played a ton of... Pitt? Well, I mean, Pitt, we don't... Pitts, what are they? Pitt is last, on the on Last the four right buys? Now. Yeah. Wow. NC State moved out of the last four buys, so they're now, like, in, I think. Yeah. 
Well, Simon, thank you so much for calling yeah. in. Great to have you uh, talk a little bit about the net. We may have to do an emergency podcast later in the week, depending on that. how things unfold yeah. um, with Very the net happy specifically. Or not. But um, yeah, we will. We could do it during the uh, Rutgers Michigan first four game. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna live stream it. Yeah, we'll do yeah. a yeah a space um, as we as we watch. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Yep, thanks, Simon. All right, thank you to Simon for coming on. Um, that was extensive. That was a was. long. That was a lot of. That was almost half an hour. Um, I assume we either have to move on or just kind of wrap it up here. One final thought from me on. No, the, you got a time, Aiden. Don't okay. worry. Okay. So then, one thought from me on the men's basketball that I just wanted to bring up is, I think that there, are, and this is literally just a gut feeling, completely the opposite of the net and statistics. I think that you can tell when a team is a quality team when they can gut out wins consistently. The eye like, test. Is, you're saying what? The eye test. Yeah, the eye test. Like you watch them and they win these close games. They weren't winning them at the beginning of the season and now they're closing them out and they're winning them. I don't care that they're close games. That, in my eyes, is just as impressive. It's impressive in a different way, but it's impressive nonetheless. They are consistently winning hard games. They're consistently winning close. They're doing what they need to do in crunch time. And that is something that, like, will happen in the tournament. That always comes up in the tournament. Yeah. There are always those close 11, 6, 7, 10, 8, 9 games, those spots that Vanderbilt are playing for. To be able to play close games against quality teams that are objectively better than you in the net, like Vanderbilt has that ability, and I think that's really worth noting. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about with you guys, and Aiden, you're the expert on this, just we got to the net, and I think that Simon's completely right. If Vanderbilt is able to get to the weekend, which yeah. is beat the first opening game in the SEC tournament against Georgia or LSU and then beat Kentucky again, I just don't see how they're kept out. But yeah. it's gonna they're going to need help the on the bubble. Yeah. So right, right. take us through that for a little bit. So you can go check it out more extensively on my Twitter, Rutman underscore Aiden. I have like a whole thread yeah. of every team that Vanderbilt needs to beat Good pretty threat. much. Um, I like to shout myself out on – I shout myself out on Vandy Radio all the time. Um, but Vanderbilt's going to need, again, like Michigan is somehow ahead of them right now. Personally, I am rooting for Rutgers to beat Michigan because currently Rutgers is in, um, yeah. and I think that they have a better quad one and quad two record than Michigan, and I think if one team was going to get in, it'd be Rutgers, and I think if Michigan beats Rutgers, then both teams could get in, and that is scary to me, so right. I'll be rooting for Rutgers to beat Michigan. You're going to need Clemson to lose in their opening round. I believe they have a bye um, in the first round of their tournament, and then they will get the winner of Florida State and Georgia Tech, which is a pretty pancake game, but worth noting. Um, I think if they win and then lose to whichever like four seed that they play, then they're going to be in worse shape for it. Um, we've got Utah State is going to play New Mexico and Wyoming. New Mexico and Wyoming are actually both playing pretty good basketball. Uh, at this point in the season, Wyoming just recently beat Nevada, who's also on the bubble. Nevada's been terrible. Nevada, I don't understand how they're still in because they've. I think they ended their season with three straight losses. Um, they're going to, I don't know. They, they lost to Wyoming, who was like 8-21 and 21 or something like that. Uh, essentially, what we're going to need to happen is Vanderbilt is currently like six to eight spots out, so Vanderbilt's going to need to win those two games. If they don't win those two games, there's absolutely zero hope for them. And then beyond that, you'd like to see them play Texas A&M close for net purposes, and you'd like to see three to four of the Michigan, Clemson, UNC-type teams that are 
on the fringe, let slightly ahead of Vanderbilt, either like win their cake game and then lose their more challenging game or just lose their cake game, um, ideally. But more realistically, win one and then lose the next. And I do think it's worth noting that if Kentucky, if Vanderbilt can beat Kentucky, they can 100% beat Texas A&M. Also, these are teams. Uh, yeah, these are teams that are are Kentucky and A and M are teams that are already in. Yeah, so maybe they don't have as much to play there for. There you go. You never know. I mean, they could always try and boost their tournament hopes. I heard something interesting on ESPN that you'd you'd rather be a six seed than a four seed um, because you avoid the one seed for as long as possible and the two oh. seed in a conference tournament. You mean? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, one the conference of, tournament. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, either way. Wow. In March Madness, too, which I think is kind of wild. Is there any, like, data behind that, or is it? No, no. Okay. I, I don't know if there's data. The guy said it was just, like, how he sees it, but in a way it makes sense, though I often think the one seeds are typically pretty overrated. I don't know. I feel like it's been anyone's in conference game. tournaments? No, 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 in, in March Madness. I feel like there's one good one seed, and the rest of them tend to lose well, before the round of 16. That's been the case. Wasn't the, the final four last year three seeds. one seeds? Right. Oh. Kansas, Duke, and Nova? Nova wasn't a one seed, were they? I thought oh. they were. I thought they were too. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. No, no. One I, seeds are totally I think that overrated. like generally March Madness is so great because it weeds out a lot of overrated teams, but generally there's kind of a distinction between like one seeds and everyone else. Like I just historically. Um, let me look. It, last year it was Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, and Arizona. Oh, so you're right. I'm wrong. Yeah, so only Kansas. Nova made. was a two. Yep. Uh, Duke yeah. was a two. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's been consistent. I remember. Oh, yeah, you're good. That's a good point. A few yep. years ago, Virginia won the national championship, but the other three teams that made the final four were five-seed Auburn, three-seed Texas Tech, two-seed Michigan State. I think yeah. we're seeing that more and more now because – they have no idea what they're doing. Like they're relying more on the net, and the net is proving, as we said, to be just right. unreliable and not a good metric. I think right. if they went more on just results, then maybe maybe it would look better. But it's interesting. I think a, a point too to make is like even with the net, you're getting in the weeds of that completely. Like you're saying, like a team like Marquette, who's been awesome all season, ranked fifth in the AP poll, is a three seed currently in a lot of bracketologies because they're lower than like Baylor. Yeah, in the net. Yeah. Baylor hasn't. Baylor's great, but Baylor hasn't done enough. And this take might come back to bite me, but Baylor hasn't wins and losses wise done enough to deserve that two seed like a team like Marquette has. Yep. Um, and so I think generally, Aiden, great job taking us through kind of the bubble. Generally, what needs to happen is Vanderbilt needs to get to the weekend first and foremost. They need help from other teams, namely the ones that Aiden just mentioned. A lot of those kind of like Big Ten cannibalization candidates. So it's a big or they, or they can beat A and M or they can beat A and M and be in for sure yeah. and then they need help in the net or they can beat like you said Frankie that was going to be my the yeah. fourth option was beat Kentucky beat A and M and then you're I think you're in for sure there um, was like a thirteen page document in my head of just literally every scenario for that article that I wrote about the bubble that ended up being like three and a half pages there was some scenario some world where I wrote literally twenty pages of that and just yeah. talked about like everything like even going back to the net like we want vcu to dominate in their conference tournament we want Pitt to now Pitt could still lose but no, acc is a bad example but i get what you're saying like teams or how about wofford like we want wofford to run the great. table yeah, and, and destroy point. it because that makes the wofford win you know if they can bump up to it's a quad two win right now you said 
or quad no, three? No, Wofford is a quad four win. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, but, that, it's, but it's a it's a high quad four win with that my can point. Bump it's up like Rutgers three. is playing. So there's there's within the quadrants, there's this thing, um, and it's it's actually only the the first and second ones, but there's like a quad one A win and then a quad one B win. Vanderbilt has two quad one A wins, which is like home wins over top one through 15 or away wins over top one through 40. So it's like you within the quadrants, they break them halfway down. Mm-hmm. Like Grambling State, their quad four loss is at home against a team 168 through 363. Grambling State's 178. So yeah. they're like right on the border, like kind of bubble of quad four. Wofford's up there as well. Moorhead State, even those those teams are all higher than South Carolina. Yeah. In the net. <laughs> Um, we got to root for all those teams to, to do their thing. Yeah, that's the another solid, that would, solid yeah. point there. Um, okay, we're going to wrap up uh, men's basketball. Very comprehensive. We're very excited. Yep. Um, going to get into talk on women's basketball for a minute, and then we'll get into baseball. Um, we've got Frankie in here. So women lose in the opening round of the SEC tournament to Texas A&M. I think – not much more to say other than the game was really emblematic of the season as a whole. They yeah. get down 17 points in the fourth quarter and fight all the way back to within three, kind of have a little bit of bad luck at the end of the game, and their season is now over. Um, but a little a little too late and just a little too little. I was, I was kind of emotional watching the game because I realized that it was going to be the last game that I watched in the SEC that I could, like, cover and report on since I'm probably going abroad next year for, like, two years, which is wild to me. Yeah. Um, but, I like, I tweeted it out. It's been a pleasure to cover them all season, and I agree with you. It's very emblematic of the team, like, the grit that they showed, the way they worked together. There was so, obviously, incredible cohesion from Shea Ralph to, like, the team managers that are students to all the players on the court. Like, they were all so clearly one entity, and I think in another life, in another dimension where... Ayanna Moore doesn't tear her Achilles, and Kaylin Smith and Jordan Cambridge don't tear their ACLs. Completely different team. Like, we're looking at yeah. a, a tournament team. I don't know. I mean, the fact that they, they were down. There was a ton of talent in this yeah. program prior to the season, and not having that always made it uphill climb. Think about it like this. Our two starting guards were Marnell Girard and Kaija Harbison, right? Yeah. If Jordan Cambridge... And Ayanna Moore hadn't suffered season-ending injuries. Kaija Harbison, all SEC second team, who is top five in pretty much every single statistic, yeah. and Marnell Girard, who is a sniper, would have come off the bench. They would have come off the bench. Or they would have been like the fourth or fifth option. That's crazy. And they were our yep. first and second options. Like it's a completely different team. I hate to blame stuff on injuries. Um, but with this case, it, it genuinely feels excusable and Truly shout out to the job that Shea Ralph has done because the way that they played, they were down 17 with like three minutes left and they brought it all the way back. Just fell short, but really impressive. And the, and they'll get better, I think. Like this, That's what I was going to yeah. say too. Oh, 100%. Long-term project Shea Ralph was brought in for and you saw flashes of what kind of togetherness and what kind of improvement she could bring and, and I think it's only going to get better. I think on your point, Aiden, about having kind of that bittersweet feeling watching one point of comfort is that over the next few years, you're going to get to see a lot of wins, in my opinion, from that program. 100%. I think. And Shea knows it, too. The, my, my genuine biggest fear, I think if Shea Ralph stays, and I have no idea if she would leave, I have no. I think she seems to love it here from the, from the little interactions that I've had with her. 
if she stays, this is going to be a powerhouse. I have no doubt about it. Like she will build maybe not South Carolina because I don't know if that's even physically possible, um, but something close, like ranked teams consistently. And I have no data to prove that, nothing <laughs> except the fact that I've seen the way that Shea Ralph coaches. I've seen the way her players respond. And I know her reputation throughout the basketball community. There will be good, good, good times ahead of this team. Yep. All right. We're going to shift to baseball as we close it out. And then we'll do, um, we'll just do three questions for the week for this week since we have kind of a long episode. But yeah. Frankie, our baseball beast, beat writer, is in the house here. So give us, give us some rundown from the weekend up in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, you had, uh, they went to, uh, this Cambria College Classic at U.S. Bank Stadium in in Minneapolis, home of the Minnesota Vikings, and they played three Big Ten teams, Nebraska, Maryland, and Minnesota. They lost to Nebraska on Friday and then walked off uh, Maryland on Saturday, R.J. Shrek, uh, sack fly. And then Sunday, the the headline, a uh, combined no-hitter against, uh, against Minnesota. Grayson Carter was a big part of that. Sam Laboki was a big part of that. Uh, Sam Laboki hasn't had a great start to the season, but he pitched 3.1 innings and got eight strikeouts and won like one of the SEC Player of the Week awards. It was a national award, actually. Oh, was wow. yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, like uh, another kind of tricky loss to Nebraska, but that's a good program and another ranked win and, and a big achievement. I think I think you can't really complain about the weekend too much. That's kind of my takeaway from the start of the year: eight and four over their first twelve. You'd rather not have lost that midweek game to Central Arkansas, but all in all, can't be too upset with taking two out of three in Texas, taking two out of three from UCLA, and then going up to Minnesota in kind of weird conditions, playing on a football right, field yeah. and in a dome yeah. and playing a quality program like you said, Nebraska. On, uh, maybe they'll play in Bridgestone Arena next. <laughs> I don't know if that would quite work as you never well, know. But I, mean, I like the thought process. Try it. They were dumb enough to play it at a football field. Yeah. Not Vanderbilt, but whoever decided to put together the classic. Well, not, I, I don't want Minis- to. Minnesota plays a lot of home games there to start the season. Because it snows till mid-July, you said? Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Yeah, That's yeah. crazy. I didn't know that. No, it's not true. Oh, okay. You I don't thought know. it snowed in Minnesota till fourth <laughs> of July? I'd believe it in like the upper parts of Minnesota. Well, it's, it's Minneapolis. That's southern Minnesota. Well, that yeah. I don't know. I'm not well acquainted yeah. with. Midwest geography. I'm from New York, so Minnesota's like Great Plains, anyway. No, nah, it's Midwest. It's yeah, that's Midwest. It's like the upper echelon, though. Frankie's sarcasm comes across really well. Thank you. In his writing, but sometimes I just don't. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I, I, just don't I, I genuinely just made even know. Yeah, I, I was gonna enough. say. I was gonna say like it snows until mid-April, which is can kind of be true. And I then believe I, that. It snows until mid-April in New York. Yeah, sometimes. and then I realized I wouldn't be sarcastic enough, yeah, and so I pushed it all the way to July, and I thought nobody would fall for that. But Well, you got one. Okay. All right, we're going to do three questions. Each of us going to pop a question that we hope the week answers. The big question, obviously, is <laughs> what happens if Vanderbilt makes it to the weekend and how does that reflect on their NCAA tournament resume? Um, I don't even, I don't even know if the, the question needs to be more expansive than that. That is, not. that is the question on campus right now for Vanderbilt athletics. But you guys can try and follow it up. So my hypothetical is: if LSU wins, how does Vanderbilt handle KJ Williams 
down low because without Robbins and Quentin Miller bound potentially can get into foul trouble as we've seen the past couple games. Are they going to run that Miles Sudi at the five again? What does the data tell them about that? I'm curious how much we see the small ball offensive centric lineup. My question is, does this energy that we've seen over the last three weeks, are they going to be able to play with it for three games in a row that they might need to win all three and definitely need to win at least two or like, and given that they're going to be playing in kind of a weird atmosphere, which these neutral site conference tournaments are Uh always are. I'll add just the last one for technically since mine was kind of a big week to be fair. Can baseball win both their midweeks this week? Tripped up on that uh, two weeks ago now. So I'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for listening in. Thank you to Simon for calling in. Hope it was informative. Hope that the Commodores are able to um, execute on all of our our dreams and wishes that we talked about today. Um, And we will be back with you soon, potentially for an emergency podcast later in the week at Bridgestone Arena. So thank you all for listening.